It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to the Financial Times Big Read, a weekly podcast featuring the best of our long-form reporting from around the world. I'm Murray Withers from the Comment and Analysis Desk of the FT. In this podcast, Kara Scannell looks at the global crackdown against official corruption. The likes of the US, UK and Switzerland are extending their reach as global policemen bidding to track, recover and return stolen assets, with some groups estimating that as much as $1 trillion a year is stolen from developing nations. Now, Kara explains how authorities have sometimes faced difficulties in establishing ways to return illicit assets to citizens. Aaron Bornstein arrived in Kazakhstan in February 2009 with $84 million and a daunting assignment. His job was to hand out millions of dollars to impoverished families, non-governmental agencies, and students who wanted to pursue secondary education. The catch was that he could not have any dealings with the Kazakh government, which was not exactly happy to see him coming. The money had been frozen in 1999, and the U.S. later alleged that it had been used to pay illegal bribes to top Kazakh officials under Nur Sultan Nazarbayev, the country's long-serving president. Now Mr. Bornstein was in Kazakhstan to give the cash back to the citizens who, according to U.S. and Swiss authorities, it had been stolen from. Mr. Bornstein, an international aid worker, and his team set up field offices, screened local hires to weed out anyone with government ties, and created a database of qualified recipients. The foundation was named Boda, or Little Camel, in Kazakh. Over the next six years, two longer than projected, Boda distributed all the money Mr. Bornstein had arrived with, plus $31 million in interest. In that time, more than 150,000 mothers and children received nutritional assistance and early education programs. Scholarships were handed out to 841 students. For the U.S. Department of Justice and its Kleptocracy Initiative, which was launched in 2010, Boda was a victory in the global battle against official corruption. But even supporters acknowledge that it will be hard to replicate in other countries where corruption is rampant or when larger sums of money are involved. And it was burdened by the fact that, at heart, the DOJ is a law enforcement agency, not a charity. It was over-bureaucratized, Mr. Bornstein recalls. The Department of Justice is not a development agency. It just wasn't its priority, he said. It is difficult enough for law enforcement agencies to successfully bring international graft cases and see stolen assets, but it is proving just as difficult to return the money to the citizens without it landing back in the hands of the thieves. That quandary has become more acute as the U.S., U.K., Switzerland, and other countries extend their reach as global policemen tracking stolen assets. The World Bank's Stolen Asset Recovery Initiative estimates that $20 billion to $40 billion a year is stolen from developing countries. Others say it could be as much as $1 trillion. The U.S. has more than $1.5 billion belonging to Nigeria, Uzbekistan, Thailand, and Ukraine tied up in bank accounts in various stages of litigation as part of its kleptocracy initiative. Earlier this year, DOJ announced forfeiture actions freezing $850 million it alleges were bribes paid to Uzbek officials to award telecom contracts. Of that, only $120 million, or one-eighth of the frozen assets, has been returned to the victim countries. When you think about the money that's stolen, it's like an inverted pyramid, says Shruti Shah, Vice President of Programs and Operations at Transparency International USA. 
The top is the money that's stolen, a smaller percentage is frozen, and a minuscule percentage is actually returned, she said. All government and international institutions should work harder to try to find solutions, she said. The UN Convention Against Corruption says money should be returned to the victim country without conditions. But countries, including the U.S., U.K., and Switzerland, have generally insisted on terms to ensure that the money is not stolen again. That often means cash is tied up in litigation. In 2011, the U.S. sought $80 million in assets that it alleged Teodoro Nguma Obiang Mangay, the son of the president of Equatorial Guinea, stole and used to fund an extravagant lifestyle, a Gulfstream jet, a $30 million Malibu mansion, nearly $2 million in Michael Jackson memorabilia, and a Ferrari. After three years of court battles, the DOJ reached a settlement with Mr. Obiang agreeing to turn over $30 million in assets. He managed to keep a crystal-encrusted glove Jackson wore during the bad tour and his Gulfstream jet. DOJ plans to return the money to a charity to benefit Equatorial Guinea, but it first needs to sell the six-bedroom mansion perched above the Pacific Ocean. Sani Abacha stole as much as $5 billion when he was president of Nigeria from 1993 until his death in 1998, according to Transparency International. About $3 billion in funds are tied up in Liechtenstein, Switzerland, the UK, US, France, Luxembourg, and the Channel Island of Jersey. So far, $1.3 billion has been repatriated, and in March, the Swiss announced an agreement to return another $321 million. The U.S. agreed in 2014 to return $480 million, but the money is frozen, awaiting court appeals by entities linked to the Abacha family. Muhammadu Buhari, a former military ruler who became Nigeria's president in 2015 after pledging to clean up graft in the oil-rich country, summarized the difficulties at an anti-corruption conference in London this spring. Our experience has been that repatriation of corrupt proceeds is very tedious, time-consuming, and costly, he said. Even with agreements, civil society groups are concerned that the Abacha money will be misused. An earlier tranche that was returned was placed in the central budget with little transparency or accountability to ensure it was spent as intended. David Ugalor, executive director of the Africa Network for Environment and Economic Justice, a civil society group in Benin City, says the issue of asset recovery cannot be discussed in the absence of the victim. His organization would like the money to go towards supporting victims of the Boko Haram Islamist group, people harmed by oil exploration and education. We are very concerned about the U.S. government putting its money where its mouth is. Too much policy without action doesn't mean anything to Nigeria and its people, says Mr. Ugalar. DOJ officials say they will engage civil society groups after the court process is over. Sometimes it is easier to return the cash, especially when there has been a change in power. Last year, DOJ returned $1 million to South Korea that was allegedly stolen by a previous president. U.S. prosecutors argue that the corruption cases are within their jurisdiction as long as the proceeds pass through America, whether in bank accounts, through fancy cars, or beachfront property. We want to protect the U.S. financial system from becoming a haven for these proceeds, said a U.S. official. Where you have a rotten government, those are the kinds of places where organized crime and terrorism take root, he said. U.S. officials also point to another benefit. Tying up the money for years will deprive dictators from thriving off of it. Yet some skeptics say the U.S. is part of the problem because it allows for impenetrable shell companies that corrupt dictators can use to mass their purchases. Earlier this year, the U.S. said it would require banks to verify the true owners who are behind their accounts. The fact that the U.S., Britain, and the Swiss are a magnet for these illicit assets presents an integrity problem, says Mr. Bornstein. The new government in power will say, my guy may have stolen the money, but your system allows that to happen, he said. Establishing the Boda Foundation was drawn out over a decade. 
1999, the Swiss government froze bank accounts linked to Mr. Nazarbayev's finance ministry on suspicion of money laundering. Four years later, the U.S. indicted an oil executive and an American businessman in an alleged bribery scheme. Both later pleaded guilty. Kazakhstan laid claim to the money, and after years of negotiations, an agreement was struck in 2007 between Kazakh officials, the Swiss, the U.S., and the World Bank to set up an independent foundation as a way to return the funds to the country. It took another year of talks to hash out the specific terms of the pact. Mr. Nazarbayev was still in power, and both the U.S. and Swiss worked to ensure the foundation was completely independent from the Kazakh government. After competitive bidding, the World Bank chose IREX, an educational nonprofit group, and saved the children to run the program. Mr. Bornstein was hired and dispatched to Almaty, the country's business capital. The biggest concern when setting up the foundation was to ensure the money would not leak back to the government. It was a little bit of a constraint for us, said Kathy Evans, director at IREX. Kazakhstan is a socialist country, so everything is tied to the government. We're supposed to be working with schools and health clinics, and to find any not tied to the government was challenging and not always the best alternative, she said. Lotus started in two regions and expanded to six. To launch a conditional cash transfer program, which pays parents about $15 to have their children vaccinated, among other things, it opened field offices and had mobile enrollment centers that traveled from village to village. They used a lot of volunteers instead of government social workers, says Penny Williams, senior operations officer for the Social Protection Unit at the World Bank. They found ways to abide by the commitment that it would be independent of the government, she said. Boda's work sometimes ground to a standstill as it waited for all three governments to approve budgets. We delayed when we had to delay. It wasn't a turn-off-the-light situation, but we had to delay payments to tens of thousands of individuals, said Mr. Bornstein. In one program, Boda said it delivered $56 million to 154,241 beneficiaries under the cash transfer program, and 74,470 children were provided early childhood education. In another, it distributed 632 grants worth $12.5 million to NGOs to support the creation or expansion of social services. Of the 841 needs-based scholarships granted to poor and vulnerable youth, more than 90% of the recipients were the first in their family to access higher education, the foundation said. Boda surpassed its stated goals except one. The agreement called for it to continue to, quote, operate as a functioning foundation, end quote. But without the support of the Kazakh government, it was wound down after the money was distributed. The government was quite cooperative with us, but once the time period was over, it wanted to be done with it. It didn't want people asking questions, says Ms. Evans of IREX. The project helped many poor families, but its closure has left a void. Nobody is working on child welfare issues on a comprehensive basis, says Janel Lukashova, a Kazakh who is director of Boda's social service program. It's a pity, she said. As the U.S. steps up its efforts to rein in kleptocrats, many challenges remain. In the mobile phone bribery case, Uzbekistan has argued the $850 million should be returned unconditionally since it arrested individuals in connection with the bribery scheme. If the U.S. prevails, it will need to find a way to return the money while dealing with the same officials. There have been some discussions about following the Boda model, but the Uzbek case is of a bigger magnitude. Whether a Boda Foundation arrangement is remotely feasible in a country as repressive and corrupt as Uzbekistan is truly a serious question that everyone is asking and scratching their heads about, says Ken Hurwitz, head of the Open Society Justice Initiative's anti-corruption legal work. Some question whether prosecutors should be in the business of collecting money if they do not have a clear pathway to return it, but others say patience is needed. For one thing, DOJ has only been making a serious effort for a few decades in creating what is in effect a new area of law, Mr. Hurwitz said. There is a huge learning curve. We're not there yet, but when there is a critical mass of such cases, then there becomes a deterrent effect. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com. He said. <laughs>